Today's podcast episode is sponsored by the Reconnective Healing Global Community. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2020, we released an episode with Dr. Eric Pearl and Jillian Fleer about reconnective healing. He was a chiropractor who was working in his practice in Los Angeles, and his patients started to report that they were having these healings just with his hands being near them without him actually touching them. So he went on to research and try to find out what this universal wisdom was behind what was happening, and he developed the reconnective healing process. Their website is thereconnection.com, and they are offering an online level one class called The Portal to awaken your own healing ability and to learn how to do this. There's over eight hours of interactive content where you will learn to interact with energy, light, and information to experience lasting knowingness, peace, and love without limitations. They gave us a coupon code to give to all of our listeners. It is PATH2PORTAL. We're going to put that in the show notes, and that's 25% off of the Portal Online Level 1 course. I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know if you take it. Send me an email. Would love to know how the course works for you. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. We have an amazing show for you. We have somebody that is going to be talking about near-death experiences, and she has survived three of them. Count them. One, two, three, three of them. She is the author of the book, Dying to See. Her name is Janet Tarantino. And for those of you who are watching this podcast on Path 11 TV, it's going to be great because I'm hoping to show a couple of pictures that she actually has in her book. So for those of you who are listening, you might want to hop on over to Path 11 TV and click on this podcast so you can see some of the visuals that I'm going to be sharing. Otherwise, you're just going to have to use your imagination. So let me tell you a little bit about Janet. She is a network coordinator for a major corporation and was involved in a pretty tragic car accident here. Wait until you see these pictures where she was saved by divine intervention. The accident was the catalyst to a more in-depth NDE. So we're going to use NDE, meaning near-death experience. We're going to, you're going to hear us use those three acronyms a lot, those three letters. So it was a catalyst where she discovered the answers to what is consciousness, what happens after we die? Are God, Jesus, heaven, and the angels real? Now, you guys know this is what the Path 11 podcast is all about, right? We are asking these questions constantly to our guests. We have somebody here who I believe feels like she has real proof from her experiences. So while she was in the depths of this life-altering experience, God showed her moments of her life and told her these moments matter, understand them. After years of silence, all the moments she was shown have now occurred, and she's ready to reveal what she saw and learned. So I hope you guys are ready for this show, because I know that I am. Janet, welcome so much to the Path Love Podcast. Thank you for having me, April. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes. I, I bet you are after, you know, dying three times. <laughs> so yeah. All right. So 
let's just dive right in. Why don't you give my listeners a little bit of your background? And I'd like you to just intertwine in there briefly, you know, the three NDEs, but the one more specifically two that you really highlighted in your new book, Dying to See. Yeah, well, I, I've had unusual experiences all my life now that I look back on it, like the the first NDE, which I didn't know was an NDE. I'd never heard. Actually, I didn't know any of these were NDEs until I had to understand them. Then I then I came across what an NDE was and realized that that's what these things were called. So I had context there, meaning behind them. And my first one was when I was sick at 15. Before, while I was changing from middle school to high school, I had gotten sick and had was really bad. So my mom slept in bed with me to take care of me. But during the night I had looked up at the ceiling and at the light that had been turned off for the night. And it, everything was, I was dizzy, but I was still lying in bed. But what happened was I had, it was my spirit that had fallen out of my body and not my, not my physical body that had fallen. So then when I was in spirit form, I was looking up at the ceiling and then the ceiling changed to clouds. Everything was clouds. And then there was two spinning motions in the, in the room, one on the left side and one on the right side. And those two opened up to not two other worlds. In one, I saw a sumo wrestler oh, dressed in white in a white room in white light. And all he did was watch me. And it, then I heard the uh, music coming from the other tunnel. So my attention was drawn there. And I, I saw the most beautiful woman swish down into view with a beautiful white dress filled with layers and layers of white lace. And they started communicating. She started communicating with the Zoom officer. And... They were talking, but I couldn't hear what they were saying because they were talking telepathically. At, at, but what I'd like to share about this, this one, because more happens, it's more extensive than that, but the music box lady and, and the, the sumo wrestler then suddenly transform into balls of light and whip out the room behind me and then around to the side of the room and watch me. And much later in life, I found out who those, who the sumo wrestler was and the beautiful lady. I'll give you a hint. The beautiful lady was my daughter, who I, that's why I thought of her as daddy's little girl in the music box lady back then. And she was not going to be born until 15 years later. Now, the, the divine intervention followed that. These things were so far apart that I didn't make the connection because this one happened when I was worked as a network coordinator at the corporation, a large corporation. And that's when the divine intervention saved me, but and pushed my awareness open so that I could no longer discount these unusual experiences and the presence of invisible beings that are around us. I call this the ultimate ambush makeover. And so at this time, while I was working, my mom and dad had called, they lived over 800 miles away. And they didn't get to see my children as often as they liked to because I was a single mom at the time. So they asked if, if they could have the children for a month. I only needed to get there. So I took a vacation 
and drove the kids out and visited my parents for a little bit and then returned home in time to have a weekend to myself before I had to work on Monday. And that's when I looked into my backyard, out at my backyard deck, and I wanted to decorate it with pots of lovely flowers. I did it every year, and I wanted uh, it to look nice for the kids when they came home. So looking forward to planting, I made out the list of everything I needed, and I headed out the door. First, I met a friend for coffee, and then, then I set course for the flower nursery. I made my purchases, and I headed home, not knowing my life was going to be changed. Uh, completely. And there was with virtually no traffic in the area at the time. There were three lanes going in each direction. And the car is coming in my direction from the direction I was going to go turn into the lanes. They were so far enough away that there, there was no concern. So I pulled out into the lanes heading toward my home, soon maneuvering my car into the middle lane. I came to a large dip in the road, and I noticed that I was catching up to a car in f ahead of me faster than I should, and it was in the same lane that I was in. It was at the bottom of a hill in the middle lane, and there was no crosswalk there, no light, or no cross street. There was no reason for that car to have been stopped. So I quickly analyzed the situation, and my job was always all anal analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. So I analyzed the situation, and I noticed a park on the left side of the road, and I was worried about the possibility of a child in front of the car. I wondered if he had been trying to cross the street there, and I didn't know what direction they'd be going. So I decided to stop behind the car. Then I glanced in my rear view mirror and noticed the light had changed at the top of the hill, and a mass of cars were now racing down the hill toward me. All the lanes were filled, and that area of the road was 45 to 50 miles an hour. My eyes were fixed on the driver in the, in the pickup truck who was behind me you know, through my rearview mirror, and he was looking to the right, and I didn't see, and he didn't see that we were stopped. I knew he was going to hit me because he still hadn't averted his eyes back to us and saw that we were stopped. I thought about my seatbelt because I hadn't buckled it. I had planned on latching it on my way home, but I had only driven about a block and had failed to do it yet. And now I knew that I couldn't, didn't have time to secure it. So that's when in desperation, I called out in my mind. I said, oh God, he's going to hit me. Instantaneously, I heard a voice give me instructions on what to do, and I did as I was told. But I was the only one in the car, so where was this voice coming from? And then, as the accident unloaded, at one, at, I mean, unfolded, at one point, I felt the arms of an invisible be being pick me up like a child to save me. God had obviously heard my call and sent the help that I needed. After being picked up, I found myself looking down onto the accident scene through a hole in the cloud, even though it was a cloudless day. The cloud I was looking through was obviously the veil that separates this dimension from another dimension. So while in the other dimension, I knew I wasn't alone, I was still in the company of the celestial being. 
Unlike the first NDE, we're always looking from this world into another. This time I was looking from another dimension into this one through a cloud, an opening in the cloud. I give extension, extensive detail about this in my book. And as you said, there's pictures in there of my car accident. And it's, it's amazing how this, this description tells that we do have spiritual help around us all the time. And oh, by the way, even though my body had been tossed around the car that day, I should have, and I should have been a fatality. I was released to go home that afternoon. So afterward, I knew what happened, but who was going to believe me? So I stayed silent and carried on. So, but after this experience, the following scripture holds significant meaning for me. And that's Psalm 50, 15. It says, call to me in times of trouble. I will save you and you will honor me. So, however, this NDE is not the only moment that showed our prayers answered. The third NDE was unquestionably created in a way that I would know the, it was the answer to a prayer that I had prayed two years previous to the pe at, at the Pepsi event center while I sang songs like, He touched me, he's the savior of my soul, and breathe upon me, breath of God. I'm telling the names of those songs because they are significant to how the third NDE plays out. Now, you've mentioned you wanted to show pictures of that accident before. Yeah, yeah let me go ahead and, and do that. I have it here. It's on page 41. As I'm holding it up to the camera, you can kind of see the front of the car, but also the back of the car. And I remember, too, you know, in the story, you had heard a voice, too, didn't you, that said, lay down, you know, uh, that, that you were laying down in the front seat. And yes. that is also, you know, what had saved you. Yeah, I laid down. They told me to, I was told, lay down across the seat and cover your face. Right. And it's, it's simply amazing how I wasn't thrown into the total back of the car so that I would have been smashed. Right. Because that was totally gone. And I'd been tossed around the car and still returned to exactly the same position that I was in when I laid down. So I, I have no doubt that there was a passel of angels that was there manipulating my body to protect me that day. Yeah, I actually, before we hopped on this call, I was interviewing another person who had a near-death experience. She had three as well, and her first one started at age 15. And she had said, you know, what she has come to learn through her guides and her angels is that although we as humans have free will, and angels kind of have divine will. If you are put in a situation where it isn't isn't time for you to die, you know, and that's not part of where your soul planned on exiting, that the angels do have the ability to intervene and will come in and save you. That's right. And if it does not interfere with a lesson that you're supposed to to learn, so right. sometimes th these accidents happen. They're a lesson of some kind. Yeah. And for us, maybe for for the help of the hospital, you know. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right, exactly. You know, I think about that a lot too of, you know, just thinking about the doctors, you know, hearing about your accidents or even like the EMS or firefighters that reported to the scene or the police officers and to see you be able to walk away from that. You know, it's like, how does that not touch them and touch their hearts in a way to say, wow, there's something else going on here. Like that woman should have been dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead? I know you want to talk about your third NDE. So why don't you go um, ahead and tell us that story? Okay. Um, here's a snapshot of that. I, I had gotten married to a man named Gavin who loved the country life. So we purchased a ranch in the country and moved to our new home. Yet it was close enough that we could uh, commute to work in the city. So one fall season, I had developed an allergy. Uh, that I had never had before. I thought it would go away as the seasons changed, but it didn't. At the end of the day, I would go inside and take decongestants to clear up my sinuses. But one night, the congestion was extremely bad. That night, when I went to bed, I propped three pillows up on top of each other so that I could breathe better, and I fell to sleep with my hands over my tummy. Now, during the night, my chest started to hurt because I didn't realize my breathing had been cut off. I also didn't have enough energy to sit up and gasp for air. While I laid there, I reached for my husband for help, but I couldn't feel him. In desperation, I called out for him. I said, Gavin, help me, please help me. But he continued to sleep. Suddenly, without effort, I found myself out of my body and I felt like I had been set free. I felt like I had taken the biggest, freshest breath of air that I'd ever taken, and I was floating in a velvety darkness of unconditional peace, love, and tranquility. It was incredible. It felt like the most magnificent spa day ever, multiplied by a million, and it was I was instantly connected with the universal consciousness and I knew everything was as it should be and I had greater knowledge. The velvety darkness I was floating in seemed perfectly normal as it was the middle of the night, so I wasn't afraid. And I could see my husband and me lying in bed below. When I looked down at my body, I knew I was dead and actually I was surprised at how I looked from this, this perspective of outside of my body. I noticed my hands were still over my tummy. So it was unquestionably my spirit arm that had reached for Gavin. And it was my spirit voice that had called for him. And that's why he didn't respond. I wanted to see more of my body. So from, I suddenly zoomed down in from different, you know, I looked at it from different directions. And then I returned to somewhere during the ceiling. So this shows just our desire puts us there. And that's when I looked around and I noticed the ceiling had melted away and was no longer there. Actually, I was higher than the ceiling at the time and was looking into the room from where the roof should be, but wasn't. At this time, I felt like I was floating face up in an immense pool of love. And I was at a 45 degree angle. I felt like I was at a 45 degree angle with my head up. And I could feel my energetic arms elongated and floating out to my sides. They were elongated because they were no longer encapsulated in my physical body. I saw a silver cord float by above me and in front of me from left to right in an atmosphere that had no gravity. When I saw the silver cord float by, I noticed a ball of light approaching 
in a slight S-shaped curve off to my right. But while the light approached, I was more interested in what was happening down at my physical body because I noticed something lifting out of my physical legs. What I saw was a shimmering blue energy, the color of the sky on a beautiful day. It was floating up out of my feet, then the shins, then it worked its way up out of my thighs. When the energy totally escaped my body, I could feel it drawing up toward me. It drew up to me because I was the energetic consciousness that had already left the upper part of my body, and I had been watching the remainder of my blue spirit body exit the lower half of my body. I, in spirit, had stretched to escape my physical form. Somehow, because I was connected to the universal consciousness, I knew this was my own slice of the creator spirit, known as the Holy Spirit, or for some, they simply call it spirit or soul. And that's why Source says that he lives with us and experiences life with us, because he really does. He is part, we have part of his spirit, and he lives with us through that. Our energetic consciousness, like I said, is our personal slice of God's spirit. When the blue energy totally floated up to me, I became whole again, suddenly morphing into the shape of an orb who was now sitting in a wand, a wand made of cushy, unconditional love. This wand effect was God's way of connecting this NDE back to the song they sang at the Pe Pepsi Event Center when I prayed using the words to the song, Breathe Upon Me, Breath of God. This wand was his symbolic gesture that this NDE was the answer to that prayer. While the metamorphosis took place, I could sense my shape because my energetic arms had pulled in and seemed to fold inward toward my body and my spiritual legs pulled up as I morphed into the shape of an orb and I glowed just like the radiant light that was zooming toward my room. Also, while my shape was morphing, my vision, vision went through a fishbowl effect for an instant until the transformation was complete. Then my sight became crystal clear again. What amazed me is I no longer needed the glasses that I, need, that I bet so badly needed. And I was healed from everything that ailed me, and that includes any feelings of unworthiness. Suddenly, that tiny glowing light that had been coming forward from the right zipped into the room where I was and stopped in front of me, promptly growing and changing into the most incredible heavenly light being that was infused with light and had light rays coming out of its heart center. Initially, I could see the light being's hair, the shape of its face, and its clothing, but I couldn't see its face clearly because the rays of light were obscuring my view. So its identity was obscured for a while. However, during another incredible experience, Jesus revealed that this light being was him. The light being who was Jesus already knew who I was and he loved me regardless of my successes and failures. He loved me just for existing. He loved me without condition, just like he does all of us. To describe what Jesus looked like, he looked like 
the Jesus and the Prince of Peace painting created by Akian Kramerik when she was eight years old. He had brown hair down to his shoulders and wisps of hair were gently blowing across his chin due to the breeze that I couldn't feel, but I could see the, the movement of his hair. Now, if my Jesus had it was clean shaven and a cane's had a little bit of a beard. And the reason it happened to me that way, because he knew I liked clean shaven men. I was in awe of who I was seeing. And I, I just gaped and could speak because I felt I could burst from the exchange of love between us. Maybe because our jaw hits the floor and we could only gape and is the reason behind why the highest form of love is described as a gape, but I don't know, but that certainly could be the origin of it. I later had the same feeling of bursting love when Jesus revealed himself to me in another experience. Now, in the meantime, I noticed a second pole of light coming through the darkness off to my left, but I turned my focus back to Jesus because he held out his right hand to me. Palm up in a gesture of, come take my hand. Then he said, it's time to come home, Jan. When he told me it was my time to go, I thought about my daughter, Gina. I wondered how she'd take my death, but my thought was answered without having to ask because he knew what I thought. Jesus told me she'll be okay. Suddenly, the light that was approaching from the left grew bigger and was now beside Jesus. I could see clouds bubbling around the edges of the glowing light, but this brilliant energy was actually a lie. This magnificent force was God in all of his essence, and the love coming from it was untainted and unconditional in every way. The strange thing is that even though the light seemed white, I could feel and sense the rays of magnificent color coming out of it. That's why God, that's when God reached out his rainbow arms and embraced me. He told me I was perfect in every way. And while he held me, he showed me many movies of my life and told me, understand these moments, they matter. Some of the moments I had recognized because they'd already happened but some I didn't because they had not happened yet. Now, as you can imagine, I did not want to go back to my body because none of us do, but God had other plans for me. He wanted me to stay in the earthly world, but he was going to give me a choice. That's when the angels came for me. But I don't have time to go into all of that spirit, all that, uh, tell everything that's going on there. But I can tell you that I became one with the universe and was all in all places at all times when I was with them. And then before I went with them, though, my spirit energy morphed into another form that you hear about in the book. So our spirit can take many forms as it needs. So my decision to stay was my son, Kurt. When I was shown Kurt's image, that was, I think, their last-ditch effort to, to, to convince me to stay. I somehow knew something was going to happen to him in the future. And if it, I wasn't there, his life would go down a pathway that would not be so good for him. 
So now how would I know this unless it was planned? I must have had some kind of agreement with Kurt to be there for him. Again, we have spirits, agreements with other spirits, and no matter where or how the lesson manifests, we will find a way to come to be together. That's when I made the decision to stay, and I told Jesus I'm not ready to go yet. Now Jesus smiled at me and nodded his head. Even though I couldn't see his face, he did that. And that's when I turned back into the blue spirit body and sat down in Jan's body. I put my butt in her butt. I slipped a spirit foot into each of her spirit feet, her physical feet, but not completely. Then I put my spirit hands on my spirit knees and rocked back and forth in Jan's body until I, its consciousness, could get up enough momentum to lay down, snap back in, and help Jan sit up and gasp for air. All the while I re-entered my body, I heard a voice from heaven echoing over and over again until I completely re-entered it. That echoing message is not only for me, but it's for everyone. And that voice kept repeating this message. Love is the only thing that matters. And that echoes in me thousands of times a day. Thousands of times a day, I think about the words that I'm going to use and to express my feelings. Are they, are they, are they said with love? So needless to say, Jan was able to sit up and gasp for hair. And then she had to live her life wondering when the other shoe was going to drop for her son, Kurt. So after this experience, I noticed all some of the mini movies that I did not recognize it when he showed me. They started to come together. And I had I share all the details and the deeper meaning of the moments that God wants everyone to know because they pertain to everyone's life. So what I shared today is only a few of the moments God showed me. But every moment, even the ones you haven't heard about, are significant to all of us. So when you read your book, please associate my story with your life as we have angelic help with us at all times. And the, the meaning behind these moments is valid for everyone. So yes, yes, yes is the answer to those questions. Yes, angels are real, heaven is real, and God and Jesus are real too. So, so and we all have our own purposes in life. And they are unique to us. Mine was the book. That was one of them. But the primary reason we are in this world is to learn to love, share our love, and to encourage others to do the same, just like the golden rule says. At our core, our core is love. And unfortunately, our innate purpose in life is lost in society far too easily as we let outside forces alter our true nature. So. Sometimes we need to shed or block out those outside forces that are disrupting our life and get back to the true core being and our nature of sharing love, especially since the echoing voice said, love is the only thing that matters. Well, thank you for sharing all of those details, but you left a cliffhanger and I know my audience is going to wonder what was the big event that you had to stick around for, for your son, what had happened? Oh, oh, he got him. He was in a bit of a, a jam. Actually, it was amazing how God orchestrated us to come together because he's the one child that I, I would not expect 
to ask me to come live with him. He, I was divorced and living out in Boise for a period of time. That was when the divorce was happening. And he called and asked if I would come back to Fort Collins at that time and get an apartment with him so he'd have a a nicer apartment. Well, I thought that was great. And uh, so I jumped at the chance. And so I moved back to uh, Fort Collins and we shared an apartment. That put me in the right place for what was going to happen. And he had, it was a college town and he, he and his friends liked to do country dancing. So he went, they went country country dancing and on the way home, he was driving. But after a few drinks, he got stopped and had breathed over the limit and was, got himself into trouble. And he did it again at the same place, actually. And so I was there and he, he wasn't going to his classes that he was supposed to go to. And he was in the hallway, he got home from work. And I said, I noticed you haven't gone to your classes. So you haven't told me anything about them. And he says, I'm not going. I just, the guy doesn't like me and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I was before the tunnel when I saw his image. So that was God's subtle way of telling me that this was the moment. I didn't know that at the time, though. But when he said that, I looked at him, and it was a very calm situation. And I said, well, Kurt, you won't get to the end of the tunnel until you do what you're supposed to do, and then you'll get there. Now, I wasn't meaning that he wasn't going to heaven. I was meaning he just wouldn't get to the end of his of his classes or his what he was supposed to do. But that clicked because I saw a light go on over when I said that. And from that moment on, he did everything that he was supposed to do. And now he's working for, he's a great manager for a a large corporation and has a beautiful daughter and a beautiful life. So our words mean something. The moments in our life mean something. And so we need to express ourselves with words of love and, and encouragement, not with anger and pressing a, a, that making a person shrivel because we need to help up each other grow. Yeah. And, you know, you had mentioned too, when you were going through your stories about the agreements, right? The soul agreements. So you knew that there was an agreement that you had with your son. And, you know, it really does sound like that there are things that are very orchestrated that we really have no awareness of. Like we may think that certain relationships maybe don't mean much or whatever the case may be. And then we have relationships that could be really tough um, or challenging. And, but can you talk a little bit more about what these agreements are? Agreements are just where we were, we choose, like I choose to, to be my, my daughter's mother or Kurt wanted me to be his mother or, and I was made agreement to be there and support him. Also Bob, who was also in my story when I was before a panel of beans for a lesson review, they made it known that as I left, that Bob was brought into my life, not only to love me, but to, for a special land, a lesson plan. And if I had not let him into my life, then I wouldn't have learned that lesson in that way. So, and, and a lot of times, even a person that is meaningful in your life, maybe it's somebody that crossed your path and said some wise thing or, or helped you 
get into a class or helped you in some way, or you helped them, our paths crossed for a reason to either help each other or teach each other something. So that's the kind of lesson plans that we have. But this panel of beans, even though I knew I must have known some of these agreements existed and I made the choices of what I would wanted to learn, they laid it out for me how it would come to be. Because when I left, I said that was so cleverly laid out for me to learn. So we have a a spiritual panel, it's a council of elders that plans what's going to happen in our life, what we chose to learn and how it will manifest. And, and their orchestration was amazing because Bob lived on the other side of the world. Now, they had to coordinate a, a lot to get us to come together in, uh, in, in a way where we would meet and fall in love. So... Yeah. And do you have any understanding as to why you saw your energy as blue? No, I don't. I don't know why it was blue, but I often look up at the sky. It's, it's the same color. And I often wonder, is that the earth's spirit energy? You know, because we all have spirit energy that comes out. It's in our body, but there is an energetic force around us as well. And I have, I don't have the, the stuff here and I need two people, but if you take a coat hanger and a wire coat hanger and bend it at a 90 degree angle and put that angle, maybe 12, 12 to 14 inches long and put the handle in a straw and you keep them at heart level and walk toward a person, they will cross where the energy is. And it's usually about two two and a half feet out from the body because it can sense the energy that's that's there yeah yeah those are dowsing well, i mean people will yeah, call dowsing them dowsing rod. rods you know or you yeah. take them at home with hangers yeah and stuff. yeah yeah now I, I just the reason why i asked you that question too i mean i know that you speak of jesus and of god so i don't know you know if you're open to other celestial beings or on different planets or helpers, but I've talked to a lot of people that have seen and experienced beings that will come in to help some of their healing sessions that are blue. And you had said that oh, your really? energy was blue. Yeah. Oh, no, I did. I was like, yeah. huh, that's interesting. You know, I just, and that where they be come from. <laughs> well, there's there's theories that they are either, I think, of the Octorian planets, that they come from like different solar systems, but that their main purpose on Earth is to heal and to raise the vibration of the planet. So, you know, a little, little bit different, you know, of theories and stuff, but I just thought that that was uh, very interesting because I have talked to a couple of people that mentioned these beings as being blue and they're extremely peaceful and loving and here will come and help healers to help heal the planet. Well, uh, I mentioned in my book that, that I was, uh, you know, out in the celestial universe with, with God and he showed me that there's many dimensions and many life forms. So, I mean, we'd be naive to think we're the only life forms that he created. And it will be soon at some time that we'll meet some of the other ones, I'm sure. Yeah. I think maybe I'm from there and don't re remember it. I mean, that was the race too. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. You know, you also said during your near-death experience that it was almost like you had 
an understanding of the way that everything worked and that everything was kind of divine and perfect just the way that it was. Can you just explain or go into detail a little bit more about that? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are suffering, you know, are going through a lot of different things and situations. And sometimes that can be really hard for people to hear, you know, like, what do you mean? You know, everything that I've gone through in my life or what I'm going through right now, that this is in divine order and this is perfect, you know? And so I'm just wondering if there's something you can say about that, that might help to ease somebody's suffering that might be going through a really difficult time as they're listening to this podcast. Yeah, sometimes that we really have to think about it on a bigger, a bigger perspective. Now, one, one thing I did remember that I don't often tell was that I was shown that there was a mass of, of black energy that moved from one part of the world to the European area. Now, uh, that is not dark or bad energy. It just means that it was the clothing that they wore. And because burkas and, and the people from that area wear dark clothing, but, and was it last year? It was a few years ago. There was a mass of people from, I believe it was Iran and Iraq, and some of the war-torn areas that migrated to Europe. And I'm sure that is what it was because Andrew, Angela Merkel from Germany invited them to come. And she didn't expect the mass of people that she would get, but there was thousands of them, thousands. Of them. I mean, they were, I was over here and saw, you know, the roads were filled with people that were, were migrating to get to some kind of peace in this world. And that was God's way of bringing two different worlds together so that, that they could see that uh, there was, that we're all the same. Because un until you get used to uh, or meet people, you, you don't realize that, that they are the same as us. Because we're all, you know, the sparks of one body just doing the same thing, just learning and living. Now, as far as I can tell you there, I was something I don't ordinarily tell either is because of these experiences, I, I'm a medium, but I don't practice it, but I was practicing it for a while and I was, I was very good at it. And I did a practice reading on this young lady just by her picture and I, I, I told them uh, that I felt that she couldn't breathe. And I felt, and what happened was that the bottom line is she died in a fire. She was young when she died, but when I was talking to her, she knew she was going to die young. And her death, because her mother was an attorney, caused a law to be formed. And that law helps more, a greater amount of people. And it's even heard of through through Europe. I don't remember the specific, specific name of the law, but she died to create a law. And I think there are there are individuals that die, take part in in these in dying to create awareness for what needs to be done. So let's say we need a new law to change something. They might be victims of something that would cause that change that that law to form. So there's always a bigger reason. And sometimes, you know, we're a part of it in an, in an odd and uncomfortable way because we all have purpose. And some of our purposes are not things that we really like, but they do create a change in the world. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is thinking about mad mothers against drunk driving. Right. right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that that was something that was formed yeah. after a tragedy as well. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, as we wrap up, I heard you say, you know, love is all that matters. Mm -hmm. And this might be, you know, the answer to the question. I'm not sure. But what would you say the number one most profound thing is that really changed your life from these near-death experiences? Like the way that you move in the world now, what, what is the thing that you always return back to that really has just changed the way that you live your life now? Seeing what I really am. Seeing that I, my consciousness is the real me. Our consciousness is the real us. This physical form is just our clothing. So it's actually me talking to your spirit, and it's your spirit that's talking to me. It's, it's the listener's spirit that's listening to us. Yet if we're reading a book, it's our spirit reading the book. So if we, we think about life that way, We may be able to, and we're all here for a different purpose, and we don't know what's made a person to what they are up to this day, because we all have uh, things that have happened to us that have made us what we are. Maybe we could be more understanding with each other than we are, and quit spreading all this hate that's in the world, because that's, that's not what we're about. We are love, and that's what we should do. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right, everyone. Well, again, the title of the book is Dying to See, Janet Tarantino. And would you like to share your website and where people can find you? Yeah, it's JanetTarantino.com. And you can find, actually, you can find a lot of videos there. One was the, my dad's spirit leaving his body that I happened to catch on film that proves that we have spirit energy that leaves when the body, when we die. It also has all my social media links at the bottom of the page. You can click on the link that you'd like to, to see or join me on any or all of them. And you can also contact me through that site too. But my email address is JanetTarantinoAuthor at gmail.com. If you need to contact me about it, anything, I'd be happy to help. So uh, give me a call and join me on my websites. All right. Well, Janet, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your stories. And I hope everyone that is listening uh, enjoyed these stories as well. Again, the book is called Dying to See. Thank you all. I hope you are all doing well. Thanks for listening. And I guess until next time and the next guest, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code podcast30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.